0: Here's what, what's going to happen. Um, we've been talking about evangelism, and uh, so. T- Today, um, we're going to try to um, look at what happens in salvation and then look at um, how our lives line up with that and then look at what implications that has for evangelism. Okay? Um, Evangelism has a certain amount of baggage attached to just the term um, in the church, especially in America. And so, We've really just kind of been uh, asking God to just teach us what it what it really is about and um, to take whatever misconceptions we've learned over the years or whatever and just to set those aside and just let him just teach us what's, re- what's really going on. And so um, this is going to be a little bit, um, I would not say that this is intellectual, but it's going to, um, it'll just be different than normal. So I hope you're okay with that. I'm going to try to make the adjustment to having to hold the mic, because I was, it's weird, but, like, uh, I told you last week how I, like, rehearsed things in my head, and I kept talking about there's a movie where the guy was doing it, and one of the elders said that it was Footloose, um, but he didn't want me to tell anybody who, who said it, because uh, he didn't think that was, like, very masculine to know that Footloose was the movie I was thinking about, and I don't know if he's right. I mean, he works for the governor, so I don't know if, like, that is, uh, I don't know if I should, uh, necessarily throw it out right away. Um, anyway, you rehearsed things in your head, and in my mind, I was going to have my hands free, and so um, I'll try to be okay. Um, so here's, here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, and then we're going to look at, the, uh, at what happens in salvation from a theological perspective as far as things happening in an order. Um, people way, way smarter than me who have written uh, really big books, um, um, have taken the scriptures and analyzed them from all these angles, and they pretty much agree that um, there's so much that happens in salvation um, that, that there is an order to it. And It's not really so much like first God does this, and then he does this, and he does this, but it's more looking at it like what happens is really contingent on what happened before that, which is contingent on what happened before that, what happened before that. And I know that might seem like the same thing. There's an order, but there's an intentional and purposeful order um, to which all these amazing things happen to us. Um, Now, they may happen literally in an instant, but as far as like trying to organize uh, kind of what's going on to be able to better understand what God has revealed through his word, they've kind of put these things in in, in order. So I'm going to call them steps today. Now, I don't, I don't want that to seem like salvation is something that uh, is that mechanical or that it is something um, that it is like a, you know, a 12-step program to becoming one with the Lord. But I'm going to use the term steps just so that we understand um, more how things are dependent on what happened before. And I think you'll understand when it's all over with. But if I say steps, please don't ima- automatically jump to um, a 12-step program to holiness, okay? Okay. Um, and so, uh, let's, let's look at this, and um, we'll kind of break it down a little bit. Verse 1 in chapter 2 of Ephesians, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and, and the mind, and were by nature... Children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. In kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. All right. There's so much in that text. I mean, you could just spend you could just spend forever, it seems like, um, picking that apart. Um, and so what I want to do is I want us to, uh, as far as like the, the process of events that happen in salvation, um, when, if you get a systematic theology book and you begin to read, uh, they're going to, they're going to pull from verses all over the place. But for our purposes and just kind of helping us stay focused, we're going to use this one text and some of the, some of the steps are, um, very clearly there and some of them are kind of are implied and stuff like that so we're going to take some liberties and stuff like that but the point is for us to understand um what happens in salvation so that we can better understand what happens in real evangelism all right so i'm gonna put that right there and um what we're gonna do is we'll walk through that text okay so we're gonna let the stool represent um the step where someone accepts jesus Where they pray the sinner's prayer, where they are born, are um, not when they're born again, but when like when they walk the aisle, like the moment, like people who, people who have that moment, this this is what that's for. Now I know everybody doesn't have that moment, and I think that's perfectly fine. Okay, but just an understanding that this is the point of of placing faith in Christ. Okay, this is not the first step. So let's walk through the text. So I'm gonna I'm gonna move. Progressively this way, all right? We're gonna go, it's like a timeline, all right? Steps going that way. Um, so verse 2, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, okay? So the first place that you find yourself is dead. Awesome. Um, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay? So this is the place where, um, where a person is born. That we're born with this bloodline in us that was once in our parents and in their parents all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. This is, this is what Christians believe happened. Now, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, uh, they uh, they were tempted and they sinned and they were then separated from God. So they went from being with Him to now being separated with Him because God is holy, and they were holy and everything was fine until they sinned. They chose themselves over Him, and that put a separation there because God and holiness, uh, God and His holiness, cannot be um, in the presence of something that is not holy. So He kicked them out of the garden. But he made them close, and he there was a plan, and there was whatever. But they just couldn't couldn't be fellowship anymore, and they had kids, and they had kids, and then one day you were born, and all of us born in this same situation, you're born dead. I, I liken this to um, when uh, if you go through and you trim limbs off of a tree, you know, and you like trim the bushes and the hedges and all that kind of stuff, or like after the hurricanes and everybody just piles up all these limbs at the end of their driveway. Um, those limbs, you leave them there for not too long, and they begin to wilt because they're cut off from the life source. Eventually, they're just dead. And you may remember Baton Rouge when, I mean, when you drove around, that's all you saw were piles and piles and piles of dead limbs. That is the situation everybody is born into. Um, scripture says that that's being, being born in Adam, being, which means being born into that bloodline of separation from God. So this says that you're dead, and that everything you do is about you. You're living for what you want to do. It's all about whatever makes you happy, whatever, you know, that's, that's what it's about. So that is the, the cry of Hosanna, which means save us. That's what we need to be saved from, the separation from God. So that's the, that's the beginning point. That's what the first three verses tell us. That's the reality of, that we were born into. So as we go this way, it, it only goes up from here, right? It only gets better. It doesn't get any worse than dead, right? Um, so uh, look at the next verse, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, okay? We'll just stop there, okay? So God is rich in mercy, which means that um, in this situation, as we are dead, we are the offenders um, of God. Like we have offended him in our sin. He's obligated as the holy one to destroy sin. We're the carriers of sin. And so what we deserve is to get obliterated right here. We don't deserve anything going that way. And that's tough for us to grasp, you know, because, because God's love, right? And we're the apple of his eye and there's all this stuff out there. He loves us. He really digs you, but not because you deserve it. Not because anybody deserves to go that way. It's because he's rich in mercy, which means that he doesn't give us what we deserve, that we get to go forward. Okay? So, but God, who is rich in mercy, and the next part talks about his love, uh, because of the great love with which he loved us. Okay? That puts us into this next this next step. Okay? And this is the point where God looks at someone's life and says, I'm rich in mercy, and I love that person because I made them. And where there's love, there's value. And I'm not going to be separated anymore. That's the first step in going this way. Now, notice we're not saved yet. You're moving from death into this point where God looks at you and says, you are valuable to me. And I'm going to do something about the fact that we're separated. Now, there's a lot of terminology that gets caught up in stuff like, like this and, you know, whatever. But the the true fact of salvation is that it comes from God who says, I'm love. Scripture describes God as being holy, so there's this holy, perfect love. And when he looks at a person and says, that person is valuable and I'm going to do something about it, something happens. You don't stay there when God says you're valuable. Okay? So um, we go from being dead in our trespasses and sins to God looking and saying there's value there. We talked about it last week in Luke 15, where there's a shepherd that has 99 sheep, and he loses one, and he puts on this search. He's like, I'm, I'm not going to be content with only 99 because that one is also valuable. woman who has 10 coins, and she loses one, she sweeps the whole house because that one coin is valuable to her. Father had two sons. One of them rebelled against him, and he looked and waited for the son to return. I mean, he had another son, but that son that he lost was valuable because there was a relationship there. So that's what this step is about. It's about God's value being put on someone, okay? Because he's rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, all right? Now, um, we don't jump from I'm valuable to um, the point where we think, okay, I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, all right? There's something that happens in between here and there. Look at the next verse. Or look at verse 4, because it was tied together. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, okay, over here, made us alive together with Christ. Made us alive together with Christ. Okay? Dead in trespasses, but because, of he's, because he's rich in mercy and the love he has for us, he's made us alive in Christ. And that's the next step. This is what you'd call regeneration. This is, um, there's new life breathed into you. That is the dead limb being reattached to the trunk of the tree, and the life of the trunk flows into the branch. This happens before that happens. Dead, valuable, so you're searching, new life comes in. So verse 5, Even we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. By unmerited favor, by completely undeserved, you didn't do a single thing. A dead limb is a dead limb. It can't do anything about its condition. Um, By unmerited favor, God looking into our lives, we have been saved. Verse 6, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Okay, we'll come back to that later. In verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is the point right here where there is um, a response to those things. That when someone is, um, like this would be the conversion point. This would come that point where Um, you like cognitively understand what happened and you respond to it by repenting, by saying, I need a savior and I'm placing my faith in what Jesus did, getting me to this point. Now, when when this happens, it says by grace we're saved through faith, okay? That just the trusting act and saying, I believe that Jesus did this and I believe that Jesus did this for me This is not necessarily the moment of salvation. This is a part of the salvation process. And what happens when you get here is you realize those other steps that have happened to get you to this point. Now, it's not always explained that way. But there is a realization of, oh my goodness, he's been drawing me this whole time. So we go back to here. You're dead. move to here. Something begins to happen that is amazing. Jesus says in John six forty four that no one comes to Him unless the Father draws Him. This is where salvation begins with the drawing of the Father. So if he, he begins to draw us here, this is the search. This is this is the this is the gospel being proclaimed. This is the gospel being lived out. What happens here in this point where there is value, this is where the search party begins. That looks a number of different ways, and we'll get to that in a second. But this is the drawing. This is the drawing. This is the shepherd looking for the one sheep. This is the woman sweeping her house for the coin. This is the father looking off into the distance for his son in tangible ways like i said this is the gospel being proclaimed being spread throughout the earth this is christians walking it out this is i mean this is that's what happens here and then one day something connects with a person and when it connects they're reconnected to the trunk and that new life is there and once that new life is there it enables a response see we'd like to jump to here But the reality is that, like I said, everything's contingent on what happened before. So we can't respond in faith. We can't pray the sinner's prayer. We can't have that moment, if you have that moment. That can't happen unless there's new life. And that won't happen unless there's been a draw by God through whatever means. And that doesn't happen if there's not value on what was dead. So that's why we say there are steps to it. Everything's dependent on, on what happened before. Now, so this is the, when you talk about evangelism, like this is typically what, we're, what you're going for, right? I mean, that's, that's a part of, I think, the turnoff for a lot of believers is that it's, I mean, like we want souls. We want, how, how many did you baptize last year? That's two questions I get from the, the powers that be in the Baptist machine. Um, how many did you baptize And what's your offering like? Like how much money are you bringing in? And so when they ask, you know, like, well, how's the church going? And I begin to answer in what I think is a good answer. That's what they're really wanting to get down to. No, no, no. Because there's such an emphasis put there. Regardless of all that. There's the conversion and there are steps going this way, and we're not going to get into these, but just, just so you, that you know, uh, the next one that theologians would say is that there's justification, that once there's repentance and there's faith, that you're put in, like, legal right standing with God. That the wrath that was aimed at you has been um, fully absorbed by Christ, and so now you are no longer guilty, um, you are innocent because of the blood of Christ is a- applied to you. And once that happens, then we're adopted into the family. Because you can't be adopted if there's still a, a, you know, a marker on your head. But Once that's gone, then you're adopted into the family. And once you're in the family, the sanctification process begins where we begin to mature and to grow. So to, to God just refines us to look more and more like Christ every single day, every single day, every single day. And then there's Perseverance as far as through the ups and downs of, of life, those who, who have been truly redeemed, like God, there's a keeping power there. That you're not going to have a bad day and God's like, oh, sorry, back to, back to point one. There's a persevering um, power that happens and then you persevere all the way through life and at some point you die and you go to be with the Lord and the last thing that happens is the glorification of all of us when we're all rejoined with Christ again and there's the, all the good stuff all the all the yes all the good stuff not that this stuff isn't good but this is going to be really good so those are that way and that's for another time so to review dead valuable so he draws us and then there's new life breathed into us and then we respond to that we say yes we realize, oh my goodness, he has been drawing me this whole time. He's used all these people in all these situations, and he's given me new life, which enables me to respond. And then we just live, and you keep going, and you keep going. So from a theological perspective, that is the, that's what happens in salvation. Now, that might happen in an instant. And some of those things all kind of, they happen like really all at once, but there's a... There's a logical order to them. It's not like you get here and then a little while later you have to wait to go through this trial to see if you're innocent. And then, you know, There's like a six-month probation period before you get in the family, and stuff like that. All that said, it all happens at once. But that's what happens, okay? And that should tell us something about evangelism. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Right now, what I want us to do And I I believe that that every time we're together that there's a journey that God wants to put us on. And I believe that involves different elements of prayer and study of his word and singing, and and they all just kind of work together. And at different points, it's appropriate just to stop and just respond to whatever God's doing. So here's what I want us to do. The band's going to come in just a minute, not yet. They're going to come in a second. And we're going to sing a little bit more, and then we're going to talk about what this means for evangelism. But God really has been bringing evangelism down to... This is the most simple way of us just telling the story of our lives and how life was all about us, and now that Jesus is there, it's about more than that. That simply, it's a a testifying thing where we just tell our stories. But how evangelism pushes, pushes us forward because of the value that's there. So what I want you to do just for a second, I want you to think about this progression happening in your life. Um, the, the dead in your trespasses and sins deal, okay? Um, maybe you've thought about that before. But I want you to think about him drawing you. It's based on your worth and your value. But what's beautiful is that every one of us in this room who's a Christian, all all of our drawing looks different. I mean, this could be through Scripture. This could be through nature. This could be through the, the lives of people that you grew up around. This could be faithful grandparents. It could be faithful parents. It could be Sunday school teachers. It could be bad examples, and the whole time you're like, there's something wrong about this home that I'm growing up in, and I can't figure out what it is. This this right here, this could be you in the womb and your parents reading scripture over you and praying over you. I mean, John the Baptist it said he was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. And he was so pumped about it, he kicked her. I was, Read it, it's what it says. I mean, this right here is beautifully creative. This drawing, it could happen and just, so, I mean, you could, this could be instantaneous. I mean, you could have, like, really, like, grown up and gone years and never heard the gospel, and one day you hear it, and God just draws you in right away. He draws you in, and it's new life, and you're responding, I mean, like, right in one thing to where it just seems like this, it's so instantaneous, I mean, it just blows your mind. Or maybe, maybe you grew up in an environment where you heard the gospel, the gospel so much, just constantly, and you heard it, and you heard it, and you heard it, and you heard it. And one day, it just clicks. And you respond, but you respond because of the new life. And so maybe, that's, maybe this is where you, you come from. And like I said, maybe, maybe you just come from a household where you're like, I don't even remember all this happening because I can't remember a time when I was dead. I can't remember Jesus not being there. I can't remember my parents or whoever saying, you teaching me to trust him and to rely on him and to, to and that we need him. I, just, I don't remember that ever not being there. That should be the goal of every parent. They say, I want, I want our home to be a place where our kids, where they get frustrated when they go to camp and they're, and the preacher gets up there and says, if you can't tell me the day and the time and the place where you're saved, then you're not really saved. I want that kid to get frustrated and be like, that's not true because I don't know that, and I don't know why. And you go home and talk to your parents, and your parents say, well, the reason why you don't have that is because we have, a, we have succeeded in our goal of raising you in a home that's focused on Christ, because he's never not been the focus. Amazing. So at some point you were dead, and somehow he began to draw you. And at some point, that new life was placed into you, and at some point, you respond and you said, yes, he has been pursuing me the whole time. Not in a creepy way, not in a Jesus is my boyfriend kind of way, but in the fact that he values me and loves me and was not going to be satisfied with separation. And he has put me on this path that's leading me to glory. That is amazing. That is, our stories have a similar progression they're unique details, but we're all on the same thing if you're a Christian. And we need to respond to that. So the band's going to go ahead and come, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing a little bit, and we're going to sing based on that, and we're going to sing in a way that is a little bit self-focused. But this is your response to God for this. And then we'll close with what this has to do with evangelism. But to tell you the truth, evangelism is just going to fall on its face if we don't understand this. So let me pray for us. Father, what an incredible, incredible passage of Scripture that we've been brought from death to life, and not just any life, life that looks like you and sounds like you and talks like you and thinks like you. It's incredible. Father, just help us, just as we sing, help us just to to respond from, from the deep places of our hearts, places overwhelmed with your grace and your goodness, hearts that are grateful. tells us some things that are pretty significant about evangelism. Look at verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. right, I think that I think there are a lot of implications from this text about evangelism. I'd just put down three that I think God has for us just as we conclude and as we really just keep moving forward in this series. Um, the first one that comes from those two verses is that you can't save anyone. So the pressure is off. When it comes to um, Sharing your faith with someone else, okay? With telling your story, um, there is no pressure on you because you cannot save them. You cannot convince them. It doesn't matter how great your gospel presentation is, what, how amazing your little track thing is, or you know whatever. That you could be Tim Tebow, and it would not, it would not get it done. We, we cannot save anyone. That scripture says it. The entire Bible points to it. This whole progression, um, I mean, can you do this? No. It has nothing to do with works. It has nothing to do with being awesome. It has everything to do with God initiating this. He's the one that puts on the search. He's the one that gives new life. He's the one that enables the response. So here, I mean, here is, is like there's some, you know, some tandem, you know, whatever going on. But that's all dependent on God showing up. So when it comes to evangelism, I mean, we are, we're so focused on results. that a lot of times we just don't do it because, because we're so pragmatic, especially as Americans, that we, evangelism doesn't seem to work. Because we're so focused on this step right here. And when this step doesn't happen, we feel like a failure or we feel like whatever. And um, we're not baptizing enough people per year and, you know, whatever. And there's just not. And so this is not our focus. So the pressure is off. Now, I I don't think that, um, that that means we just don't do anything. But if you are intimidated by sharing your faith, maybe that intimidation is rooted in the fact that, um, that you're worried about failing or that you aren't sure if you'll have the words to say or you know, that they're going to reject you or that you know, there's all these things that are in there. But if we think about it biblically, if we think about it looking at Ephesians 2, if you think about this progression right here, there is no pressure on us. Because we have nothing to do with it. We have nothing to do with the results. So that's the first thing. You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. The second thing is that we do play a role in this process as believers, don't we? It's back here at um, the first step after death. We're a part of the drawing. We're part of what God uses to draw people in and draw people in. Now, he doesn't need us at all, but he chooses to use us. I mean, it's a privilege to be a part of this. It's a privilege to be able to to tell people that, like, there is a kingdom and that there is a king and that there is hope and that there is grace and there is unconditional, all that stuff and that there's forgiveness and there's acceptance there's an eternity ahead of them we're a part of this now we're not responsible for this as far as you know i mean we don't actually do the drawing we're just we're just the vessels and we're just the means but what a huge 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 thing for us to see where we fit into this process It's kind of early, kind of important. And if you're here and you're a Christian and you're on this path and you're further this way, it's probably because someone was faithful right here. Maybe that's them calling. It's because somebody was faithful right here. Um, maybe, Maybe your story is unique because God still drew you, but no one was faithful here. Maybe that's a part of how your story is cool. Maybe here you're here because of nature, or because of there just was just something going on. I mean, maybe um, maybe God just just jumped you to here, and I believe that that happens. I believe that there are people who are saved who never they don't hear you know this passage taught. They don't go down the Romans road. You know they don't. I believe that there are times when God just regenerates people, and they respond to it. People, a lot of times, when you start talking about this progression, and people are like, what about babies? You know, what about babies? If John the Baptist can be saved in the womb, and if David's baby that died, he could say, he won't come to me, but I'll go to him. I absolutely believe that Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, all of them, can do whatever the heck they want and can regenerate whenever they want. But when it comes to evangelism, we have to see the role that we play right here. Because look at verse 10. It says, uh, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Good works prepared for us that we should walk in them. When it comes to evangelism, this is where we hang out. This is us telling people. This is us walking it out. This is where we... Just simply give testimony, like we were, if we were called into court, um, this is where the testifying part comes from. This is where it's crucial for our lives, our lifestyle, our, our speech, our attitudes, all that stuff to be consistent with the gospel so that we have some legitimacy so that as that gospel is being proclaimed and being lived out, we come into contact with people, and maybe, maybe we are either um, the voice or the life that God uses to regenerate them or we're just, we're just laying the groundwork? We're just laying the groundwork. We're just laying the groundwork. If you're a parent. This is where you hang out. This is what you want your kids to be hearing all the time. Whether they're babies, whether they're grown, this is where you are. Gospel, gospel, gospel. Gospel, gospel. Gospel. And even if they're, even if they're already there, you're still... It's all about the gospel. All about reinforcing the gospel. All about it. So... The first point was that you can't save anybody. The second point is that we are a part of the process. And that means that we need to be ready. That means that we need to be obedient. That means that we need to have thought through what are we going to say. That means we need to know what we believe. It means that because lives are at stake, it needs to be be really really important to us i'm not saying that it's not important to us as a church all right i'm not fussing we need to be more of it i'm just saying it needs to be important to us you let that fit into your life however it needs to it fits into my life how it needs to but it needs to be important because this life going this way is all about that particular step as well like i said last week we, we become a part of the search party we've Become a part of how God draws and who he draws and why he draws. And the third thing, and this is how we're going to wrap up, is that prayer is key. That our existence here in this step, in the drawing step, it's gotta be the kind of thing that we are praying about all the time. That our lives would be effective as God draws people to himself. We have to think of our lives that way. Like My life is a drawing force from people who are dead to be going that way. That yes, he uses the Bible, and yes, he uses the Grand Canyon, and yes, he uses Billy Graham, and yes, he uses those people, but God uses every one of us as a part of this. I remember... Um, growing up, and I know, like, I I probably have a tendency to, to do this too much to assume everybody was raised like me, and that's not what I mean to do. But I know a lot of you, and a lot of us come from these just weird backgrounds, and I just remember being told over and over and over again, if you haven't led someone to Christ in the past however long, then you're failing in your mission as a Christian. And I, I mean, I'm... I'm 16 years old. I have no idea what that even means. I'm 25 years old. I have no idea what that even means. And something began to change. And a lot of that is what comes out in the just the way I feel God lets me function as the pastor here. But I'm telling you something. You're not a failure, all right? The truth is, probably 90% of our lives, I just picked a random percentage, that was high, but probably 90% of our lives is not going to be walking someone through this process. Most of us are probably not going to be the kind of person who walks into the church and puts a, puts a dash on the board, like, got another one this week, you know? That's not, gonna, that's not how it works. That most of our lives are just spent just laying that groundwork. Spreading those seeds of love and compassion and grace and goodness and the fact that, like, and just our lives communicating the fact that life is about more than just us. If every Christian lived that way all the time, all the time, all the time, there would be more people who are dead asking what's going on here. And so that's a part of that's a part of it. That's so if if it's that important and lives are at stake. I should be praying more about my my role in that and how effective I am, and I should just be asking God to make me effective as a part of the search party, as a part of the drawing force, to make me effective in whatever context that is, whether it's in my conduct, whether if, if I have a person the chance to sit down with someone and look them in the eye and tell them the truth about who Jesus is, and everywhere in between. And there are people in our lives who, let's face it, they're still dead. But they don't have to stay dead. And maybe, relationally, God has given you a connection with them, and that is why. Because God is not random. Life is random. We think it's random. God's not random. Your neighbor's... Aren't your neighbors by chance. People that you work with, you don't work with them just by chance. If you're a college student, the people you're in class with, it's not just random. God is all about this process happening. And so we're just gonna close and we're just gonna we're just gonna pray just for a second. Bill's gonna get a a little music in the background because these rooms are so quiet sometimes that it gets a little like weird. And for some reason, like praying, and there's a little light, nice little something in the background, it helps you focus some more instead of hearing how loud the person is breathing next to you uh, or whatever. And so he's going to play, and I just, just want to guide us through th- three things to pray for as we close, all right? We won't be here forever. You don't have to get exceptionally comfortable. But um, just, just, just ask God to give you um, a vision for what your life could be. I don't mean that to sound negative, but just what it could be in this step of drawing people. Ask him just to renew that fire that you have. Now let's let's just ask Him just to lay some someone maybe one or two people on our hearts, um, not in a judgmental way. Just someone that He's given you a connection to that you're supposed to just be faithful and represent And Pray that, that that your representation would be effective drawing them in, whether it's to salvation or just to push them along in the maturity process. Just pray, ask him to do that. Let's just pray that, that as a church we would be effective as being a drawing force if you're not a part of our church pray for your church or the, the big church let's just pray that corporately that uh, we would just be used effectively by him Father we love you and and I pray that you would give us individually just this renewed just passion for what you've called us to God that we would love you that we would love the story that you've brought us into and that we would love the role we get to play in the lives of others God for those individuals that you've you've just connected us to, God, I I just pray for, for each one of them, wherever they are, God, just whatever their needs are, that you would meet them, whether they're needing to cross from death into life, or whether they're just really just needing to abide more deeply in that life, God, I pray that you would give us all the courage to move into that, but more importantly, God, that we would value them the way that you value them. God, as you press all of our lives together here at the ring, God, that, that we just that we wouldn't live lives that are just kind of casually thinking about this, but God, that you would use us to effectively draw people to you. It doesn't matter if they ever step foot in this church. It doesn't matter if we ever see the fruit. It's not about the results. It's, it's about our obedience. It's about you being glorified. Pray, God, that as our church is then pressed together with all the churches in the city, God, that we would just continue to see fruit. We would continue to see your goodness show up and then just beyond that the church in America and, and all the nations, God, would, that we would just be effective. That we wouldn't just exist. We wouldn't be just another social group that gets together and then lives lives that are filled with purpose. God, that we would just be empowered by your Spirit. And that you would use our lives to make your name famous among the nations and in our own neighborhoods. Father, we love you. It's amazing that you entrust us with something so so powerful and something so important to you. Pray, God, that you'd continue to teach us how to be faithful with that. That this would not be the last time we pray for those who don't know you. Now, thanks for today. Thanks for um, the way you're always faithful. And uh, pray that you're honored by our time here. We love you. Pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. It's a good day good day. Thank you for being here. Um, There's not much more I need to say other than the fact that we probably need to bless one another as we go. It's a big big task at hand. Um, So let's stand together. We'll say our prayer of blessing and then uh, continue on. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you.